Shabbat Shalom, everybody. I am spending my Friday night doing a uh, remote podcast with filmmaker Arthur Gay. What's going Thank on? Thanks for doing this. How are you? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's it's uh, it's an honor, and I really appreciate it. Oh, I don't know if it's an honor, but uh, I, I... <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> well, um, cool. we'll be showing one of your shorts on monday we're recording this friday and i would probably you know put it up on saturday we're going to be monday november 6th and this was was this a columbia one or was this post columbia yeah this was this was um my uh end of second year uh okay. short film. yeah 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 it's called a d4 but you know it's like our kind of third short film within our program and we we kind of do one more after this yeah what does all that mean like what what's d4 and <laughs> It's, it's it's really uncreative to be honest so like uh, you know there's two semesters every year and um the first year you do a, a a short film called the three to five which is three to five minutes and then you do an eight to twelve i think it's now it's actually five to twelve and it's five to twelve minutes and then in your second year which is technically your your direct your fourth directing semester um within you know your program um it's called a d4 so it's kind of pretty uncreative to be honest but <laughs> And what are the parameters? Um, I mean, the parameters, let me think. There's a budget cap. Um, I'm trying to remember what the budget cap is. I like, uh, I always talk about this whenever I have these kinds of conversations with like film grad people. That there's a budget cap. Like, yeah. I, like, I'm, I'm 39 years old and I went to film school, you know, 20 years ago. So, like, there was no budget when I went to I, film school. No one, no one. <laughs> you know i think i spent two thousand dollars on a film and that was like because i was work I, I left and i came back and i worked so by the yeah time, like whatever was like my year three kind of thing i was i was employed like i had i had two apartments at that point i was i had i worked in new york and boston so i spent two thousand dollars and i got <laughs> my son's hvx with an adapter and oh, i had like a location like a restaurant <laughs> That gave me like look and that was like upsetting to people yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait what's like, that what's that in for inflation though you know two thousand dollars like yeah i think i think it, i think it's it's probably two hundred thousand dollars today that's definitely what <laughs> <laughs> it's right yeah it's gotten so crazy that like people spend 50k on their afi film oh, what, Oh, I, I sort of lost you there. Wait, what was that last question? What's the budget cap for the D4? Is that allowed? Yeah, yeah I mean, I can say uh, the budget cap for the D4, I think it depends if you're shooting like out of the country or not. You get, uh, I think uh, you get to spend an extra $1,000 uh, if, if you're shooting out of the country. That sort of allows for travel costs and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think the budget cap is four and a half grand for your D4. Oh, okay. and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but you know obviously you know people sort of um you know whether people full, sort of fully stick to that is a, is a question but the idea is to try and sort of like try and kind of create an even playing field you know um because there's you know people with varying levels of um like ability or or financial means i guess within the program um and when you move into your thesis years there's like no cap there's there's very little rules essentially it's just like do you know whatever you can and, and there's also opportunities to like apply for for like more funding through the program as well as external but but there's sort of like funding opportunities in your thesis years right 
Yeah, because I remember I had a short at AFI of my own, and, and I met through that, I met all these students, and they were telling, you know, I was multiple spent, two or three people told me that their budgets were over $50,000. Five. Oh it's so hard, eh? It's so hard to compete with that. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, like, a good story is a good story and that's always going to shine but i think you, you're always also looking at production value and and you can see some of the films out there i mean there's bad films with a lot of money spent on them you know um but then there's good films with a lot of money spent on them and it's like you know it's it's uh you're seeing that and you're like man how am i going to get that money <laughs> you know i mean honestly i personally don't care i yeah. <clears throat> does nothing like i i i'm very people forward like the yeah. even, even on the independent film level the festival level all that stuff i i don't think i think like i don't know i don't get it like like flash forward you know put me put me a few years talk to me in five years and maybe i'll change you know my tune here but like i look at a lot of things that people tell me like they you know need x and can't shoot below that i've spoken yeah. to older filmmakers who have made 20 movies and are well known and like don't want to make a movie for under like four million dollars or whatever because they want their comforts and stuff yeah makes sense yeah but when you talk about resources like at when, when when you're not talking about like comfort when, when when you're not talking about like preference you need time you need you know space blah 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 when you're just talking about like production value kinds of things like i really can't think of anything in theaters right now is a movie called divinity mm -hmm. by eddie alcazar and mm -hmm. steve Harberg put his name on it as a producer and really shepherded and, and mentored him as well as Darren Aronofsky before both guys made tiny budgeted movies that were wildly creative and, you know, visionary. Yeah. And they spent hundreds of millions of dollars, but like they got it done beforehand. And Eddie, there's a, this isn't a spoiler, but the end of the movie is a huge, wild, like extravaganza sequence and it's stop motion. And <laughs> Amazing. Like, why did he do stop motion? Partly because he's skilled in that. He's skilled in that kind of VFX, but mm. also because he wanted it to be this big climactic fight scene that he couldn't possibly uh, put visuals to on his budget. Yeah. So, and it is riveting, you know, to watch the form of the movie you know, whatever it is, 75 minutes into the movie, all of a sudden, formally, the movie explodes. Like, that's it, it is It is way more emotionally gripping than a cool, you know, effect. There's a million movies where, like, the last set piece steps up the game and goes up a level, and it's like, you know that they used, like, you know, one-third of the film budget on those, on those five minutes, and it's, like, cool, worth it. Like, you know effects whatever but like or stunts but like this this just, he, he didn't even have that to put into it all his money i think goes into cast really and mm. he just got creative so like i don't know i just i just call shenanigans on these people and now like i talk to a lot of people 
you know, I think you need to make movies between one and three million if you're in like the, you know, the, a certain sector. Like making, if you're not one of the, if you're not PTA or, you know, uh, a certain established director, even Sofia Coppola's movie is going to open to like five million this weekend. Like, yeah. If, directors you should be making a movie under three million dollars and like i i don't know what idea needs you shouldn't be making these whole like what's his name uh gavin whatever the guy who made the 80 million dollar uh yeah 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 um don't make that movie today just like don't like figure out the ecosystem before we we make more movies like that you know and and make movies that like monsters like his first movie that i don't know i just call shenanigans on these people that like need certain budgets like i think it's bullshit i think those are commercial directors those are people who should be sticking with gigs they should be jobbers the creative people will make the movie no matter what oh 100 i mean i i totally agree with that and i think also just like there's a celebration and like as you said with with that with that film it's like there's a celebration and seeing the ingenuity and i think there's something beautiful in the art form when you're able to sort of like uh examine it and see like oh wow okay this this person really is trying to just like um trying to tell a story with with any means possible and i think that inherently is kind of beautiful to storytelling you know i also think like i don't know like i'm sure everyone that sort of started like trying to make films has like been through that gauntlet of like having no money and just realizing you just have to take more time or like you're just kind of a tiny crew and you have to improvise and i think like it's just a matter of like remembering that and like figuring out how to scale that like okay we've got a little bit more money but that doesn't mean we just like get all these extra toys like we still have to like yeah you know, we still, like we still need more time and we still need to like we need to like understand that more time means you know paying more food for, for your crew but like let's not like scale our crew up by 10 times then you know um yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I completely agree with that. I think sometimes, like, I, I remember I got, um, there's this festival um, gave me some feedback on on one of my earlier short films, and it was really kind of them actually to give feedback, um, and they and they um, mentioned like their kind of metric of how they ask their pre-screeners to view the work, and it was something like, you know, originality of idea, um, cinematography, writing, directing, um, oh, what was that was. Uh, uh, screenwriting oh no yeah, i said that i can't remember what the fifth was but the sixth was production value and i was like man that just sucks that like you know i mean obviously you, you don't want to be like pulled out of the film if it's like done but you know badly or whatever but i feel like there's ways to maintain like a level of production value that is still like acceptable and and i don't know it just it, it sort of felt like they were kind of like measuring essentially like how much this film was worth you know like how much it cost to make and that was kind of a bit disconcerting i guess to hear um but i do think ultimately like story always does shine you know like if you're telling a, if you're telling an interesting story and in an interesting way it's always gonna it's always gonna show i mean like you know lars von trier's dogma 95 man like it's like the first 10 minutes of it you're like you know you're like whoa this is uh, this is kind of pretty different like i'm not used to this you know lo-fi stuff and then you forget about it you know you've completely forgotten about the fact that it's shot on handycam and like you know got no music at all it's not even a it's not a negative it's not a no. lot you know it's, yeah i i love uh walter murch's rules and mm. there's it's a hierarchy of of an edit it's like what what mm. is the priority 
in making a decision and editing a cut decision. What mm. based that on? And there's a hierarchy of it. And I'll tell you, I've read the, I've read, I think, he, I know he has two books. I can't think of any others, but I know he has two. In the blink of an eye is the, is the yeah, one. The yeah, classic. Right? Yeah, yeah. I've read the book, uh, you know, multiple times and taken multiple courses and I've quoted this. I only remember one and it's emotion. Yeah, it's always emotion at the top of the hierarchy, right? Like order, because I don't give a shit. Yeah. I only know that number one, when I when I first heard that lesson, you know, when I first read it and I heard whatever teacher, I don't know if it was high school or college or what, but the first teacher that that brought that to me, I stopped listening after mm. I heard that point of like cut for emotion. I'm like, yeah. oh, yes, <laughs> that's it. That's the lesson. That's everything. It's like there's, you know, uh, William Goldman's. Nobody knows anything, and there's Walter Murch's like cut for emotion. What are the <laughs> priorities? I don't give a shit. Yeah, no, it's Fluidity, it's whatever lighting, like I don't care. Emotion. Yeah. And you know the amount of times I've been stuck in an edit and I've been like, oh, this isn't working because like you know you can see like the continuity mistake and like you know you're kind of like trying to cut around it and then you just like kind of submit to cutting to the emotion, but you're like convinced that everyone's gonna like see that blaring mistake you know and then no one sees it because they're like oh i'm engaged you know like that's what matters and even I, if they see it like whatever of mine. say again i have camera shadows in films of mine There's, <laughs> there, uh, there was a shot where like one time i did it by accident and one time i did it it wasn't on purpose it was just knowing uh like one time i didn't find out until later and it was just the take and i was just like that i mean that's the take and like, yeah. like I, I was like distraught but then i was like that's the take like that's that's oh. it you know and then the second time it happened i was like into it yeah I was, like i knew i knew about i had already kind of crossed the rubicon of this and knowing that and this is the, the, the movie i was making in that case stylistically was okay with that you know the vocabulary the whatever yeah. the, the, um the tropes invoked in that in that work, it was okay. But um I yeah, and another time like I used I got like a really good sound mix on a film mm -hmm. and I I I hated it and I <laughs> used to this day I just used the raw camera audio on the film. That's the final mix. I, I have like a sound editor who did a whole like we worked on it for weeks and oh, it, the the <laughs> it felt dead. The whole movie just felt quiet, dead, and it was just like what's how it was just nothing. And then with the camera clicks and with yeah. the steps of the handheld of the cinematographer and and the creaks of the floorboards and all that stuff and the zoom like you hear the lens racking and stuff like that like yeah. And it and it made the movie so lit up for me, and I just I, I came to that in the edit. I listened to the proper sound mix, and I was like, "This doesn't. This is making me feel bored." And then yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I loved it. It's amazing how much it can do. I mean, I remember when we got our first mix, and and our mixer on this um, Sam Bass, he's like incredible. I love working with him. Um, 
Uh, but I remember our first run, you know, he was sort of um, sort of doing the appropriate steps, which is, okay, like bring down the levels of the sort of, we had this highway. I mean, you'll, you'll see it, you know, um, on Monday, but there's that, uh, this is in, Sun, in Sunshine City. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And like all these cars was just like, they were so oppressive, but in like a great way, you know, it was like, it just created this like space that just felt oppressive. And the moment they walk into quiet, be like oh like man into like the quiet of the gas station which is kind of like a a safe space or inside the car which is supposed to be a safe space you know um and, and like in our first run with it we kind of removed that and it just felt so flat you know it, it like there was no dynamism in these scenes because it was all you know like it it, it it took away the character of each environment um and i think that's like there's such a you know um important effect and, and actually one thing I, I was just thinking about like when i was watching the rushes um actually i'm not sure if you call them rushes you call them dailies yeah dailies and when i was watching the dailies yeah. of of that film there's this one scene it's like a one taker i, I kind of i, I mean I'll, I'll say it i guess it's a bit like um if anyone does listen to this before monday then they'll be looking out for it i don't know but like um there's this one taker scene where like um kind of towards the end of the film and I saw it and I just saw like the entire crew reflections in the side of this tow truck. Like saw me standing near the camp, like, but like just the feet, because it was at this sort of chrome bar on the truck. And I was just, and all of the takes are like that. Cause we didn't notice the truck was made of chrome, you know? Um, and I was just defeated, man. I was like, oh, that is just the biggest like fuck up of all time. It's like a two minute one taker, you know, got no other coverage of the scene. And then cut it together and i i just forget it's there like no one has picked up on it ever you know and it's like i like it's right there in your face but it just doesn't show because you're like looking at these characters and how they're like you know the conflict the drama right like it happens also like like my the, the first camera shadow story i was telling you was that was in the end of a oneer it was the mm -hmm. the you know the sort of the uh you know the tag the end mm -hmm like where the camera lands on a on like a four minute wonder like it goes all the way close up and it's it's similar like my face is right now like it was like and then the camera just like went like that and like face um and it's like do i just ramp up the whole thing and then not do the where yeah. it adds up to and i just was like no fuck it i'm just gonna do it and some people are gonna look at it and some people aren't and whatever but um it's also like if you watch i hate the show but in the last of us on hbo there is yeah there's a uh, helicopter or crane is you know an overhead shot mm. and you see like holding like in the bottom left hand corner like it's like a whole it's like a big scene like a huge like forest whatever and they're walking like up here in the frame and then like bottom left hand corner you see like it's either crafty or it's holding or something <laughs> i love that and there's stuff around <laughs> it's a very became very famous like and you know like thrones had they had the coffee cup in it yeah know? it's just the famous one right yeah. right like shit happens i don't know it's movies you know i kind of like honestly i i sort of enjoy that you know what i mean i always think it's kind of fun when there's like when there's yeah and it's sort of there's something interesting like it's getting real like <clears throat> there's something interesting about like the kind of meta 
thing of making a film and sort of like seeing seeing the process as part of it. I kind of like that, you know. Um, yeah, I think we're in a an age of literacy where like doing it perfect is not really that. Everyone is so hyper literate. Yeah, man. Yeah, not really that interesting because yeah. anyone perfect it's like we're going through these ebbs and flows of culture and efficacy of craft you know and we're in this like post post yeah. we're in yeah. like i don't know maybe it'll get better but like usually when we get to places where the craft in the tech is so mastered usually you get into this place where it's like everything you get this freedom to go style Mm. didn't get that unfortunately in this period at least not yet because the industry forces like push back against that screaming and social media necessitated redundancy and regurgitation but like in the 80s i think that we got that everything got done yeah like uh, really they they, we had we had seen what it's like to do perfect in the late And so by the 80s, it was like, we don't really care about doing perfect. Let's just do a fucking badass, you know? Um, oh, I mean, 100%, man. I mean, I like even it's this whole classic, like, you know, shooting on celluloid or digital, you know, thing. Like, I try not to chime into that too much. And I haven't actually shot a film on on film yet. And, and uh, yeah. hopefully with my next one, just because I, I kind of want to try the process. But, you know, I used to do um, and still do a little bit, I guess, um, like photography. And I used to shoot digital and and I got to the point where I was just noticing myself, like, just spending so much time trying to make it perfect, you know, like, get the perfect frame. And, and I just took thousands of photos. And, like, I don't know, like, I, it, it was so, like, draining. And then I just picked up a film camera and started just shooting, you know, 35. And just the the, the notion that, like, okay, you got one or two photos. It's not going to be perfect. But there's, like, a beauty in that imperfection, you know, that you can celebrate the imperfection of it and i think like in film seeing that as well like you know maybe an extreme example is like a coffee cup there but i don't know like seeing a dolly that has a bit of a bump and sort of celebrating that i don't know i think it's kind of cool you know yeah yeah i i think that there's you know a human touch to it and Mm. Mm. able to connect with that you know it's an entry point yeah 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 of uh i don't know i haven't maybe i haven't seen enough Columbia films to tell, but I think when I watch NYU grad films, they all feel the same to me. They have, you know, different subjects, different plots, but they all seem to, like, like I I mark that they all seem to be about, like, intergenerational trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That have that underbelly and just a feeling a tone they all work together really they all blend together and mm-hmm. uh, i don't know uh then they're, they're so well done mm-hmm. but it's as if they're very you know cookie cutter it's like mm-hmm. a production designer is trained you know they're, they're, there's like 17 production designers that are like all really you know the same and cinematographers <laughs> that are all like they learn the same. And so each movie, like, yeah, this guy's using this lens, this person's using, you know, whatever. They're doing slightly different things, but like they're all coming from the same place. And mm. 
all very, very, very well executed, but mm. it didn't move me. And I don't know. I, I, yeah, I haven't. I haven't gotten enough of a sample size of, of Columbia grad films to see if I if I map any um, similarity like that. I don't know. How do you feel about about that? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's interesting. I like. I think. Um, uh, uh, how do I even? I, I I think there's like stereotypes for each school, and and sometimes those stereotypes can be true. Um, I think sometimes there is like a. Um, you know, Columbia is a very like uh, has like a quite a I think a really good writing program, um, but I think sometimes there's a tendency to forget that like you're writing for ultimately a visual and audio audible sonic medium, and I think sometimes you can like this the the sort of the ex the extreme stereotype of a Columbia film is it can just be overwritten, you know, and that's certainly not true for for um, a lot of Columbia films, but I think you can sort of see a common denominator sometimes. And maybe, you know, the opposite is for for NYU, you know? Um, uh, and I think that's sort of just the tendency of like the, maybe the um, the aesthetic approach of each school. And I think it's sort of like upon the students within that to sort of like recognize what the strengths of the program are, but like take, take it like with caution and adapt it to your own kind of sensibility, you know, because I think if you don't, then you can kind of be pulled into the the direction of of, of either side, if that makes sense, you know? What do you, what are the stereotypes, school to school? <clears throat> I mean, once again, you know, I think it's important to, you know, like, uh, to to really reiterate that they're stereotypes. You yeah, know? obviously they're interpretive. Like they're yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, the stereotypes, which I sort of, when I was sort of applying to, I applied to NYU in Colombia and, and and one in um in Berlin, the DFFB in Berlin. You know, I was sort of looking at all this stuff, like the reviews and what people say. And I think what seemed to be like the common sentiment was like Columbia films have lower production value and sometimes feel like overwritten. And NYU some sometimes have like higher production value and look better, but perhaps sort of lack a certain um uh like substance or something you know they kind of like looked good you know what i mean and, and and i think that sort of like maybe on the extreme ends that might be true and then there's sort of all the in the middle where like i think students are trying to pull from the strengths and weaknesses of the programs if that makes sense hmm. what are the other ones what, what are what what's berlin like um <clears throat> berlin um i don't know what the stereotypes of berlin but the dffb i think in comparison to uh there's one in potsdam in berlin like potsdam is sort of like much more like studio kind of based it's I, i'd say it's a little bit closer to the the west coast schools here um and dffb is a little bit more uh on the sort of east coast side of uh, it's actually ex a bit more experimental i would say um with some of the films that they create um i really like the work that comes out of that school um i was sort of sad to to not get in but um at the same time it sort of meant that i moved to new york so so that's pretty cool you know i'm pretty happy to be here um like for so again. You just moved. Cool. yeah 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 i moved here um so i'm from new zealand well mostly new zealand originally and and i moved uh, i i applied in 2019 and got accepted and then the pandemic hit and sort of you know faced with the decision if i uh come to New York during the pandemic or not. And I ultimately decided that was, it was the right move, which was hard because New Zealand at the time and for another year after that had like, you know, eliminated COVID. So it was yeah. like hey. a COVID safe haven, you know? <laughs> Damn, yeah, you went the opposite way. 
yeah yeah all my friends thought it was kind of crazy but it was it was worth it you know I've, I've learned so much and met a lot of really cool people you know new york is new york you know oh man yeah I'm coming to learn that. <laughs> yeah but it's it's nothing else like it you know oh man yeah that's yeah and, and it's so abrasive sometimes you know but at the same time there's an energy here like that i just have not been able to find anywhere else you know and i've spent a bit of time uh, like in berlin and i really love that city too um, um but yeah there's a certain just energy here which is like uh, you know you stand still and it's still pushing you you know there where did you were you making films before you started making them here yeah i so i studied film in my undergrad um uh when did I start? I think I started 2009 and I graduated 2012, uh, 2012. Um, and I was sort of like, yeah, slowly, I mean, I came out of undergrad, you know, like an undergrad out of film school, like had some basic tools and kind of knew that this is what I wanted to do, but definitely didn't really feel like confident in my, like, um, in my vision or like what it is that I was trying to do with film. So I was sort of just blindly just trying to make knowing that like that's all you can do is just like make and learn and so i was sort of making you know short films and i did a um a feature documentary and some music videos and i was just kind of working i started working professionally in the film industry there for about five years um just on and off um just crewing i was gripping and, and locations and and scenic department um which is cool like i, I learned a lot from that um and it, particularly like just uh, learning you know, just really like how a set runs really efficiently, you know, that was actually really helpful for me. And, um, but I got to the point where I, I realized like work was so consistent there and I'd be on like a five month job and I wouldn't have a life, you know, and, and I'd maybe take a bit of time off to, to shoot something. But I just realized I, I wasn't, I wasn't making work, you know, I was like, I was, I was just working. So I, that's when I decided to come back to grad school and really like kind of like take the next, next step, I guess. And kind of where do you what's your entry point i i guess like what makes you the kind i've watched three of your shorts mm -hmm. and all tonally carry an energy that mm -hmm. is not exactly the same subject matter there's a few mm -hmm. tropes like the relationships between you know characters that are either friends or siblings and um mm -hmm. there's an energy there's a current that runs through three of them that is rather consistent um mm. where where do you derive your the idea like where what what what's the center of of these movies to you what's the yeah. Center? <clears throat> yeah i mean it's so that's actually it's funny that's something i was trying to discover in undergrad and didn't didn't really know and only started to come to realize later on because so i i um I moved around like a lot um, with my mom when I was younger. We moved countries and a lot and towns and houses. I think by the time I was 15, we'd moved like countries seven times and lived in like 20 different houses, you know? So like I was really used to moving a lot and, and having to kind of like, um, you know, make new friends all the time and kind of got the sense that like uh, stability and, and, um, permanence is not a thing you know um it's sort of always going to change and and so for me like that had a huge impact on me as a person and then and as i realized as a filmmaker like the stories that i'm really interested in the characters that are really transient and and trying to like figure out what home means what belonging means 
where that is and and also these sort of interpersonal relationships these like whether it's familial or 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 um you know or, or friendships that um are kind of like the tension is between that idea of like do they belong in the same do we belong in the same place or not like i'm really interested in like characters that feel um kind of like a rubber band you know they're like they're 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 pulling you know they maybe they're tied by whether it's like blood you know their family their siblings or mother and son and and that's sort of what's keeping them together but there's something that's pulling them apart as well and i i find that like just a really interesting dynamic characters that like want to be together and don't want to be together at the same time you know um but i would say yeah like the biggest one is like this idea of 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 like belonging and and that's sort of just been my biggest question for myself you know is um where do I belong and, and where do I come from? And, you know, I, I really don't know that. And I guess that's sort of <laughs> what I'm exploring in my own work, you know. Those just seem to be the characters that, I, that just naturally uh, when it just come to me, you know. Uh, yeah. And what's the progression? Do you want to continue making shorts? Are you developing? Are you, are you just, are you have one more film to make in school, right? Is that... Yeah, yes, yeah. so I've got my thesis film, um, which is set back in New Zealand. Finally, it's it's sort of it's nice to like have the notion of going back and shooting back in a place that um, I've spent you know the most amount of my my life in, um, uh, and feels uh, whatever home means. It feels more like home than anything else. So I'm I'm looking forward to that, and it's similar themes and characters. Um, in terms of like what I'm trying to do next is I'm I'm so I'm developing. Um, a feature film uh, with a co-writer friend of mine and um, a producer friend of mine. She actually produced um, the first film, um, A Shared Moment of Loneliness. Um, and uh, she's also producing my thesis. And we've been, this is a script that I wrote in my second year and then took into revision in my third and met the co-writer. And we just like instantly clicked um, and uh, wrote a sort of I guess like a whole new draft like you know it was it was kind of like a re-envisioning of it and um that's sort of what i'm focusing on midterm now we've, we've submitted it to a few um few labs and you know um we've kind of it's we've had really good feedback obviously like there hasn't been any announcements yet and i don't want to jinx anything you know you never know but it's just been nice to actually receive like um positive feedback um about that and sort of know that that's something that's sort of ticking away and you know we've got ideas of of where to take the next draft and that's sort of my like midterm goal yeah, is, is is after this short film my thesis film is like uh, i want to make my first feature that's yeah cool what do you what do you what does that look like making your first feature like how do you how do you go about that what's day one what's starting um you know obviously there's a lot of like privy information so don't don't feel you know don't say anything off but uh yeah like, yeah <clears throat> about building that yeah i mean um what does it look like one is like when i came into the program i definitely did not feel at all equipped to think about even directing a feature you know it was like i knew it was something that i wanted to do but like didn't know even how that would begin you know now i'm like i feel like the last short films that i've done and the, this final one that i'm focusing on i feel like just really excited and like like it's the right time to jump into to making my first feature i feel like um it just feels like a natural progression of like my artistic and technical abilities as a filmmaker um in terms of like 
making it happen so we've got this as i said we've got this um sort of this draft and we're we're sort of waiting to hear back from some some labs um but you know it's like one i, th I feel like with that sort of stuff it's like you always just need to like that's great if it happens but you've got to be forging ahead no matter what right so like me and the co-writer we've we've got our ideas um co-writers uh rali chowney um and the producers laura ganotas and um yeah we've got like we've got uh a very clear idea of what we need to do for the second draft and it's just about like yeah just sort of like trying to get traction through labs and also traction hopefully with um with my thesis film you know it's always like helpful if 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 you know you your film does okay then you you can start having conversations and you know it would be it'd be nice to like to like um oh, we're also going to be <clears throat> so like uh, New Zealand has the um, the Film Commission, which is the sort of national funding body of New Zealand, and so that's sort of what our like um, that seems like the most logical choice for raising some of the money, at least if not all of it. Um, and so, just like putting a submission together to the New Zealand Film Commission, and um, yeah, I guess sort of just hoping to to sort of um, to like maybe by end of 2024 have a real kind of game plan of exactly how to get this into pre-production and like really start that process and it's it's set sort of in scotland and new zealand so um yeah you you raise private after getting a grant or what do you think how do you think that goes or you or you think you can get it all on grants and government funding because it's overseas yeah i'm honestly i mean i feel like it'd be great to have louder here because she um Oh, don't, don't don't say anything that's like if that's not your your uh, your. Nah, I mean, like you know, um, <clears throat> my instinct, you know, uh, you know, my uneducated sort of instinct or like slightly educated instinct is like definitely be applying to the film commission no matter what. But like, um, hoping that like if we get traction in in, in labs, um, you know, like that can sometimes op open opportunities if you're pitching um and and i guess probably like european funding i've got a british passport which i think helps and my dad's german so maybe i can get a you know get a german passport and try to get some money there um so yeah i i don't know i feel like once again loud is probably more um equipped for that for that you know conversation but um i'd say the film commission in new zealand is probably the will would probably be the biggest source for sure that's cool that you've got people that you trust, you know, back yeah. and playing roles. I think it's really important. Very few people can, um, you know, play, can wear all the hats. Mm -hmm. but, and you know, it's like, you know, after undergrad, it was like you kind of wear all those hats, you know, as you're sort of getting in, you're like self-producing and you're sometimes even DPing your, your own stuff, you know. Um, but I think, you know, one thing for me and, and in this and the Columbia program, I'm sure with the NYU program as well, but like starting to figure out who your key collaborators are that you like really trust and like admire their work, um, I think has been like invaluable to me, like um, this relationship with my co-writer Raleigh and, and with Lauda as well. Um, those just feel like really strong connections that like for me, I mean, one of the biggest things is... It, on top of my self-development as an artist in the program but coming out with people that i can like both trust with feedback but also trust who to collaborate with that's been like huge for me you know yeah i was um i was talking to a friend who's at another film school today and she's working on i'm gonna be vague on purpose <laughs> but she's like, 
on a, on someone's phone right now, and they're assholes. And I like warned her beforehand. <laughs> I don't know them actually, but I was like, "Oh, that's gonna be those guys are definitely gonna be assholes." I like I was completely like, judgmental about it. I was like, "I guarantee those guys are total assholes, and they're assholes." And she tells like every day at like from set, she's just like telling me how they are. And we were talking this morning, and she was like worried about. She was like, yeah, like, I just don't know what to do because technically this is really good for my career. Like, this is, you know, this DP is, like, has worked on some really big things and blah, 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 and this and that. But, like, yeah. they suck. They're, like, terrible. And and I said, you know, I said two things. I said, like, well, like it's a quest, like a duck. Like, you know, just because they have credits and stuff on things, like, I guarantee there were other people that really steered those ships. And they, they're jobbers. And, like, they, they were on it, but they weren't really, like, the ones doing the stuff. Yeah take you anywhere they, they might get themselves into rooms but they're not the ones you know navigating those rooms and they're not going to take it they're not the ones who decide who gets in those rooms with them they're lucky yeah. to be themselves and more importantly it's like stick to your people you know if you can get out of like film school with five people that mm. you really fuck with and yeah. like stick with and 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 play roles in your life and and help you grow like that is it's massive and and most people do not get that and if you those people are more important than like some you know connected or 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 advanced person who might not care about you and also like might be an asshole and like might not be respected just might be like in it like people hustle you know and people get gigs and stuff like you you hustle hard enough and you get gigs but like, yeah. that doesn't mean that you can connect with anyone or lift anyone up. Like, just getting yourself in the door by you know by sheer will does not indicate like that you're a good uh, you know, connection for someone. So I don't know. I was just encouraging. Like, yeah, don't 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 judge people by like their credits or whatever. Like by what Netflix gig they were on and stuff like that there's a lot of assholes on those things and like those are those are gigs and yeah people like if people feel good to you if they if they got your back if they show up on time if they're not making you chase paychecks stuff like that like these guys make them chase paychecks oh man yeah yeah. those guys and and the industry will not have room for them like i was reading matt bellany's uh uh, prof, you know, a uh, uh, column just now, right before we talked about like what's post strike, and you know, my real takeaway on the whole thing is like this was a correction and a reset that had to happen. Unfortunately, happened this way, but it had to happen anyway because a lot of the powers changed, the capital shifted, the talent shifted, and things got muddy, things got, things got thrown into nonsense, you know, like who got the right, you know, who gets to make the movies stopped making sense. And when that happens and the movies start to suck, the whole thing's got to, you know, kind of reset. And a lot of this is going to be like, I think what's going to, what's going to stick around. A lot of people are going to go once the strike is over. A lot of people are going to be gone. Like, like Mm -hmm. now we have the promise the void you know when mm. there's a void there's, there's a what's going to fill the void so yeah 
now the question the the um the lack of certitude creates promise and hope in a way and and as soon as the strike is over it's actually going to be a lot less hope than there was before now there's at least you know ambiguity but that ambiguity is about to go away come monday yeah. morning if the strike gets signed you know in the next couple of days like monday morning everyone's going to find out where they stand and yeah it's so true answer and I think who's going to stick around are not the people with credits, not the people with the position, even people who got people. That's 100. what. Yeah, 100%, man. And I think it's just like, you know, I had this in my, when I, when I finished my undergrad in film school and I was like, you know, it's the classic, you, you come out of art school or whatever, you know, and you're like, oh shit, like I'm alone. <laughs> you know, like, how am I, what am I doing and how am I going to like make something when I haven't got these people around me driving me, you know? And I think like when you, I, I think particularly in, in grad school, developing those, those, those people around you that you can trust and that you want to make films with, you know, that's what like keeps you going afterwards. You know, those are the people that are like, you're encouraging them, them encouraging you. And then those are the people like, I don't know, I've, I've been to so many Q and A's where like, you know, that like, the producer and the director or the you know i don't know the the dp and the director or whoever they were like oh yeah we met like when we first came out of grad school and you know and it's just like and now they're like these big names but like they were there together and the only and the reason they're there is because they like saw each other match energy and stuck together you know um yeah i don't know that's my feeling i was just uh, as you're saying i was writing a note just about um we're we're, we're maybe launching this newsletter and like I'm gonna talk about some of this stuff. And I was just kinda I was just like I want I wanted to key in on these points that we're that we're talking about right now, just about your people, you know? And because mm. it's yeah, yeah. I mean weird time. No, go go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's it's it's, it's a weird time. And I think that like, you know, having teams is really, really important yeah yeah no it's, i mean yeah man it's like yeah i've got a kind of core group of friends and we share scripts and show each other cuts and stuff like that and it's like sometimes you, you stop and you're like wow man like half of us moved from around the world and we're now living in new york and we're now like in our thesis years so we're not going to the same amount of classes together and yet we're still here just you know having a writing session together or like sharing a cut and that's just i don't know it's i it sounds cheesy but you know it's just like you kind of get goosebumps from that you know it's like yeah awesome we're still we're, we're doing this you know i don't know good yeah i mean making movies is the coolest thing in the world i think <laughs> it is yeah yeah also like god sometimes oh, sometimes one of the most abrasive and difficult things as well though huh <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah the coolest thing <laughs> yeah yeah but i really do i love movies so much and uh i guess my main like i'm very salty i think especially you know more increasingly salty and mm -hmm. it comes i know where it comes from it, it, it's like a uh it's like a territorial aspect like i look at these people and i'm like oh no you do not i do mm -hmm. not trust movies with you you know, I, I, this is my religion. You know, this is my ideology is movies. That is my sanctuary. That is my, uh, and you, my friend, you know, you know, 
Pero I'm not out. <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, like someone someone invited me to the you know the Sean Glass WhatsApp chat, and I was just like, oh, this is a cool fucking place, man. Like, who's this guy, Sean Glass? And like, he's like seems to just be like the god of like the local film scene here, you know? <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's uh, I, I, whatever. Great. <laughs> I'm very simple. Yeah, like I, you know, I don't know. I um, I'm much more simple than I think people think I am. I, you know, I uh, my grandpa, my grandma took me. They had a video distribution warehouse growing up, mm-hmm. and the back room had a TV, had a big TV, and they would take me on weekends. I'd spend, I'd split weekends between my grandparents, and every other week I would go to Queens to their warehouse, and I would watch horror movies. I was you know, starting when I was like five, and <laughs> I went on trips with them when I was even younger. Like, I remember going to like a Disney convention or something for Who Framed Roger Rabbit or something like that, but got into horror movies when I was probably five or six and I got in trouble in school because I decorated my school mug with art with like Chucky and Freddy and stuff when I was six. <laughs> but um, I, I just always, that's, I love movies. Like I really speak very ideologically. I speak more ideologically about movies than I do about Judaism. And I, I love Judaism, but I, without, you know, like I have my Shabbat candle lit right right there and uh but it's movies for me you know i'm a jew by blood but movies are my religion before judaism is and uh my grand you know my grandparents took me to shul and they took me to the movies and uh they both landed really heavy on me so yeah like i you know flashing forward i see it as a as a huge not just it's certainly a privilege but it's mm. also an obligation. It's a responsibility. That, like, I'm a son of New York City. I'm a son of, of arts people. And mm. I gotta... I want it to be mm. a certain way. I want the world to be a certain way. I do not want to live where, like, movies are whatever Netflix... I mean, no disrespect to Netflix. Like, like, I actually love Netflix. I think they're an incredible company. And I think a lot of what they make is amazing. And even stuff that is not for me i respect why it exists and that there is a beautiful audience for that but i i just also want to be clear that's not what i want and that mm. is not what what the religion that i grew up with mm. it is you know w- would predicate so i see myself yeah like I, we gotta we gotta work our asses off and not you know and take no prisoners like this is kind of a, an ideological war against content against jobbers against and I, and I don't mean that in a it's not a hierarchy it's people who it without you know th- th- their heart is not in it they're in it because it's a gig they're in it because they like they, the party they like same thing in the music industry you know i was i was in the dj world forever and there's guys that want to party they do blow under the booth and stuff like that they want to fuck girls whatever and like that's fine you know but those are not my uncle's had a has, has the longest running new york city house music label he is a lifer <laughs> he like you know he he like untouchable like he is just, he dedicated his entire life to dance music and like, i'm into that yeah so like those are the people like i i want to protect and and elevate and 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 that's how I, you know i look at movies and like 
I, I I think that you know the auteur theory is needed. Like like that is it doesn't need to be all. I love the studio system and I love the auteur theory. But like you know the studio system we got like that. Yeah. that like the auteur theory kind of stuff like is dead right now. Other than a few you know white guys who and Jordan Peele like who have it still. Yeah. Like, it's dead and we need that we need that development we need that creative and like so yeah i look at it as like i don't know i have a unique ability to like build community and stuff like that and i take it as my responsibility it's, i don't else is fucking doing it and it's, it's special man honestly it's it's so special because i think the hardest thing like as a filmmaker or any artist is like battling with that kind of like giant um machine that exists of the industry and figuring out how you're even going to be like first of all making them but also like how you're going to be like kind of sharing that and like sharing in the experience of making it but also the experience of receiving it i don't know and that like just requires like uh, uh like a grassroots community to be like like orchards come from that you know like I, I remember reading like this book of interviews with um of uh jamish and i mean i love his i love his work um um and i remember just reading about him Patty Smith and Tom Waits all hanging out in a bar every evening or like it once a week and just talking about like their respective art and how that just like that in itself is just like felt to me and like John Lurie probably as well like how that just like felt to me like that just just meeting and communicating is what gives drive and energy for people to just to make stuff you know yeah yeah I wish I was in that bar you know <laughs> <laughs> but I guess yeah. that's the thing, you know. Now we're in Alamo, right? I had cool bars a while ago. Like when I was young, there were cool bars in New York. I don't know what's cool anymore. I don't know. Like, like if I wanted to go, it's Friday night. If I wanted to like go to a cool spot and like hang out with art people, I wouldn't know where to go. Um, <laughs> do you know? Would you have? A, do you know where? I I honestly don't know, man. But I guess it's the thing is like. Maybe you're not supposed to know because maybe the whole point is that like the people that like you hold dear to you and are doing it, they are the people. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be any bar. Yeah, like you can have your people. I just mean like, but I do. Yeah. Like this place called Cabin, and I mean there were others, but Cabin was my favorite. But no, there yeah. were spots where like I could go there, and I knew that I was gonna hang out with art people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that existed when mm. i'm and i don't know what that is today um yeah me neither me neither but I, I gotta say i mean just coming back to the new york thing like that's just the one thing and it's such a cliche but it's like that's the energy right is like you know maybe i can't think of specific bar right now but like knowing that there's all of these people thousands hundreds of thousands of people that are all here to like try and just like make their thing i don't know that's like it's that's yeah that always sort of just inspires me a little bit i guess well, that's yeah i mean that's the that's the dream like uh you know we're like like los angeles and new york city have you know all the football captains and cheerleaders <laughs> ever day la to be spotlighted and yeah. new york city they you know i think people came here to find their people and find their form their form their voice their their message yeah 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 they wanted to be part of something. i think people come to new york city to be i mean literally i'm like quoting frank sinatra it's like i want to be a part of it you know um 
I think that is really true. I think people come to New York City to be a part of it. I think people go to Los Angeles to be, uh, you know, idolized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah. I think New York people want to celebrate together. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I can, And it's also, yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, I still, I mean, I still sometimes I'm, I'm like walking through Manhattan or something or, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. I live in New York. I don't know. I'm still like, you know, I'm still pinching myself. It's a cool feeling. Are you going to stay? I'd like to. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, you know, you never know, right? Like my, um, my student visa ends, well, I guess I've got one, like I, my, my student visa ends uh, August next year. And then I have one more year of, of OPT where I'm allowed to kind of work within the industry. Um and after that, I have to do an artist visa. So, you know, that's sort of, that's the agenda. Um, but it all really, you know, all this stuff depends on like, <clears throat> I don't know, like how, if if my short film does well or not, or if the feature goes anywhere. It's like, there's so many variables. So like all I try focus is just like the here and now, trying to make the best film I can. And, you know, yeah. Maybe, maybe because I moved around a lot. I'm, I'm not very good at like thinking too yeah, far. Whatever it's movie yeah uh, yeah you go to new zealand to shoot the thesis yeah yeah that's right yeah 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 let's sit back there when do you oh. wait say the last part again sorry when do you shoot the thesis oh uh, yeah so honestly um uh, it's kind of dependent at the moment uh you know we uh, are planning to to go um i guess in january to shoot um but with the sort of um once again i don't really want to like um you know get into two specifics but you know if we were to um get into uh one or some of these um labs uh, these writing labs for the feature uh that would sort of cross over with that and so would probably push would definitely push the thesis till later you know because that sort of um try prioritize you know the, the feature given the opportunities if, if we were to get them sure yeah 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 cool yeah well i look forward to hearing your adventures and <laughs> fundraising and grant you know grant writing and uh and eventually you know festival and distribution um you've done you've done some festivals a few uh not like not many we've done a few of the small ones and then um uh, sunshine city um that's the one that's playing on monday um that one got into the new zealand international film festival which that was really special, man, because that, like, um, you know, that, yeah, man, I, like, grew up, like, when I was in, you know, when I was studying film and, and, and getting into film and starting to be inspired by film, like, that was where I saw all the films that, um, you know, that, like, really were formative for me. And so um, it was always kind of a dream, like, oh, man, one day I'd love to have a film play in the New Zealand International Film. You know, it just felt like that was, at the time, the horizon for me, you know um and so it was, it was special to be back there and, and have it screened there and, and actually it played in front of um uh, uh another beautiful film mutt that um played at tribeca um oh we showed mutt we we uh i did i had leo on a panel that we did and, oh, we, cool. did, and we presented it twice actually we did a preview of it i think pre-sundance and then we did it when it was at we did like a, a promo when it was at film forum and we also oh. yeah that was a beautiful film. Yeah, Mutt. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was beautiful. And it was special to play in front of that. And also, 
even just on a small level, it was like, oh, this was like shot in Brooklyn. And so just having my friends and family there and seeing that and I was like, hey, that's also where I live, guys. I don't know. It was kind of special, you know, um, but it was a real honor to play, to play, to have our film. It played like, uh, I think three times in Auckland and three times in Wellington and all in, all the time in front of Mutt. So that, that was, it was cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, they put that, it's a wonderful story. You know, they put that together, mm. distribution right away and it came yeah. out happen within a calendar year is pretty pretty cool yeah yeah no that's yeah and 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 like a really important story and and like i saw people coming out of the audience there were like super moved by that film so it was, it was really cool yeah i really thought that they did justice to a sensitive topic without you know, bring that yeah. I, these movies that have come out have just been checking the box and um, mm -hmm. no disrespect but just honestly like not really doing not really Understand and and I think Fook did, you know, really, 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 yeah. Fook and Leo, it's it's a beautiful film, and it's like I think kind of the one. It's it's good that it's going to be on Netflix because um, there's a lot of these, and it is kind of I think like the, the first one you should recommend. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It, it felt like one of the first times I was like, oh wow, okay, this is like this is nuanced, you know, it's super nuanced and. Um, and complex and i think you know um and like you know sad and moving and you know i remember my mom turning to me and she was just like wow that that hit me you know so it was cool it was cool to yeah cool to uh, it was really special was, I, I sort of um you know it's always an honor to have like one's work just in the same room you know <laughs> well cool i'm glad we have that connection yeah uh, I'm very excited for Monday. It's a good, it's a good crowd. I know that you're you're friends with a few other people on the program, right? I think you know. Like That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fernando and Annie, and um, uh, I feel like I recognize a, a few of the other names, although I'm, I'm not sure we've sort of met yet. But um, yeah, it's super cool to be playing with them. And um, I, you know, I came to to one or two of the reunions before, and so I'm oh. just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I came to one where Aisha was playing um, her film. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm like I'm grateful for the opportunity, man. It's uh, yeah, it's super cool. Happy to have you. Yeah, we'll uh, <laughs> meet everyone one day. I always I tell you guys to come early so that I can introduce to, you know all the filmmakers to each other before the crowd comes, which is always yeah. Like, and uh, but what's actually happened for that specific one for Alamo Drafthouse? Like last time I actually got there like not late, but, like not early like i got there like right at doors um <laughs> it, which is like fine because i've been doing it for like forever i don't need to really show up early anymore um mm. but uh this time it was full by the time i showed up like like people are coming early to get seats because otherwise they're standing um yeah, yeah, yeah. i had never i guess or maybe i just never noticed but yeah like it was it was 75 percent seated at six o'clock like before, you know, an hour ahead of showtime. So normally I let it go, but um, I just started early because it was like, we're already full, like, fuck it, let's go. It's uh, getting momentum, you know? It's getting, you're going to have to, yeah, gonna, how is it going to scale, you know? I'm going to just do more nights. I don't really yeah. want to, like, I don't want to do a 400-person room for short snack. Yeah. What's the yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. I'd like it to be 120 people. You know, that's a good room. Even, yeah. like, do those bigger theaters like one of those bigger angelica rooms like 
you know, we've done bigger ones. We've done 300 person shorts nights, but it's like, it's different. You know, it's, yeah. it's, I like it better when there's a hundred something people in the room. Like it's the, I'd rather do more of those than, yeah. Or that. there's other things that, you know, are super cool when you do 400 people in the room, but yeah. it's night where like everyone, you know, I like it when it's like everyone bring 30 people, you know, like invite yeah. them. And so are the other five filmmakers. And then a bunch of my people are going to come and we're going to have a nice room. Yeah. 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 No, I, I I mean, I just sort of, I enjoy the intimacy of it as well. You know, I think that's just, it's like that kind of a setting that you, you lose that in, in larger settings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Arthur, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for making it. And uh, I hope you make a lot more. I'll <sighs> going some to people on Monday. And I hope everybody listening joins us. And, uh, and then... Hey, thank you, man. It's I, I, I once again, I, um, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's you know, it's uh, making films is like both hard, but also just having people see them. It's like special when it happens, and um, so and like I really appreciate the sort of the grassroots movement <laughs> that you, that you've got going here, and 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 to be part of it. So I, I um, um, and and everything that you're doing, man. It's it's super cool. So I appreciate it. I, I'm able to do it because because of you know filmmakers like you and and you know like film community people like you. So keep support. You know, stay in the mix. Tell your friends and all that, and appreciate it all. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening and weekend. And um, I look forward to seeing you for a beer at six o'clock on Monday. Looking forward to it. <laughs> all right, Peace. man. Take care. Peace. Yeah.